Chris Hewitt and welcome to the latest in our series of very special Empire podcasts entitled The Ranking, wherein four Empire writers take a filmography, could be a series, could be a director, could be a writer, could even be an actor, could be a franchise, who knows? And we argue the toss over the top 10. What's good? What's bad? What's up? What's down? And this week we are talking about the filmography of one Sir Ridley Scott, Ridders himself, Ridders me this, Ridders me that, what's in your top ten? Uh, and joining me to discuss Sir Ridley and his output, placing his phone very gingerly on the table, is James Dyer. Hello. How are you? I've seen films you people wouldn't believe. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's from um, Alien. White Squall, yeah. yeah. Dan Jolin is also here. Hello, um, uh, are you not entertained? <laughs> not good. No. Blade Runner, mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. Palpably they're not so far. Uh, and last, but certainly least, is Nick DeSemlian. I'm good, Chris, thank you. <laughs> Hang on. No, wait, there's something in my stomach. My stomach is oh, getting... No. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, it was just the Wagamama I had. It's fine, it's fine. Carry on. What did you have? I had. Uh, I was going to have a chicken katsu, but I had some noodle leafing instead. Yes, I, thanks for asking. Y- yes, I yakisoba. That's good. It's yeah. good. That's my favourite. Is yeah. that vegetarian? Yeah. Yes, you it is. It. Yeah, they eat it in Blade Runner. It has not yet burst out of my stomach. All right, so we're here to talk about the films of uh, Sir Ridley Scott, which is a dangerous enterprise because, quite frankly, the man is so prolific, he could make another two or three in the time it takes us to record this podcast. Uh, we're, we're tying this to the release of his most recent film, All the Money in the World, which came out the same year as Alien Covenant. And if you look at the guy's filmography, he's been really stepping it up over the last few years. He's making a film a year, pretty much, over the last five years, The Martian and The Counselor and Prometheus and all that, all that good stuff. Should we start off by talking about, you know, the standard ranking stuff, when we first got in to Sir Ritter's? Do you remember the first Ridley Scott film that you saw? James? I was on the set of Alien, so that was the first Ridley Scott film I saw. What? Did it, how have I, I can't believe in the, whatever it is, 18 years I've known you, I've not told you I was on set of Alien. How I old know, are you? I'm very, very <laughs> old. Are you like, um... I have absolutely no memory of it. I was far too young. And obviously it was actually weird that my mum would take me on to, I don't think she knew what it was to be honest at the time. But uh, yeah, she took me on the set. Um, and the only thing I remember is they had a big production book which had uh, a lot of the art and the costumes and the production stuff in it. And that hung around my mum's office for ages afterwards. So the first memory I have is seeing that book and being traumatised by it. I don't remember actually being on the set. My mum told me there were lots of mirrors. That's how they made the long corridors of the ship. It was like 10 feet long and they just had mirrors. Uh, Mother. There you go. Wow, was there any smoke as well? There could have been smoke. Okay. Smoke and mirrors both. But yes, that was my, uh, that was my entry point to Sir Ridders. It, it wasn't though, was it? When what I, was the first time you saw of Ridders? The first time I saw of Ridders. It definitely wasn't Alien. I so, would, so you lie and sign yourself to lies? Yes, I have. Legend. I saw Legend in the cinema. So that was probably it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I remember I saw that in Swiss Cottage, I think, at the Odeon. That's the first one you were on set of as well. That's a hell of a story. Uh, I was on set of a film, but I can't remember anything about it. Uh, Dan, I'm sure you've had a few of those. Have you been on set of a a Sir Ridders joint? I've never been on the set of a Sir uh, Ridley Scott movie. No, I haven't, actually. Thanks, Dan. Nick DeSemlian, have you been on the set (laughs) of a Sir Ridley Scott film? I've not been on the set of a Ridley Scott film. I wish that I'd been on set of Black Rain as a (laughs) (laughs) nine-year-old. Absolutely love that, but um, sadly not. Watching Andy Garcia get us. I want to know how they did that. Movie magic. (laughs) That's the magic of the movies. Smoke Uh, and mirrors. No, it's Black Rain. Uh, What was the first Ridley Scott film that you saw Dan Forth? Oh, it was Alien, but not all of it. How old were you? Well, this is the thing. So for me as a kid, Alien was the Holy Grail, right? That was the film I wanted to see more than any other film, but I wasn't allowed because I was obviously too young. But... I, I know I was also a bit scared of it. I kind of knew, and I, but I got my mum to tell me the whole plot of the film. So I kind of, I'd already seen Alien in my head before I saw Alien. And I was going like, mum, what's the Alien look like? What's the Alien look like? And she's like, well, it's kind of, it's got a kind of a long head. It's like and, a cock, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's got you know, a long you know a head cock. and it's got two mouths. So in my head, the Alien looked like a kind of, like Chewbacca, but with an egg for a head with two mouths in it. So that's what I thought like he was going to look like. Yeah. But I, I knew the whole, like that kind of the whole story about the bursting out of the stomach and everything. Spoiler. And um, in the end, I plucked up the courage, and they had it on VHS. That we had a top loader VHS player. I plucked up the courage to start watching it. What age were you? Oh crikey! I think I must have been about eight. Okay. And my mum and dad let me because I don't know they're weird and mad, and started watching it. 
and this is great, this is great. And then they're all at the dinner table, right? And they're all sitting around the dinner table. And then, and this is completely true, front doorbell rang, a man came in and took the video player, <laughs> video player away. What, what like a, a man you, your dad owed money to or something? Possibly. I don't know the story of why, but I just remember sitting there going, what? And we didn't have a video player anymore. And it was just before the chestburster scene. And then I didn't actually, and this, I didn't actually see Alien all the way through until after I'd seen Aliens as a teenager. So it was like another six years before I finally actually got to see Alien. So I, did you did you think the film just ended with a nice meal and then they just go back? No, no, because I home. knew what was going to happen because I already had the whole film right. in my head because my mum had told me. You thought Chewbacca with an egg on his head was going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, no. By this point, I did know what the Alien looked like because one of the kids in my school had a toy xenomorph which I swapped with I swapped one of my toys with him to get it and it was the most brilliant toy what did you swap I can't remember I was, uh. do you know what I was uh, oh hang on no I know what it was it was one of those little um, computers like a Mr. Maths well, like, like, like speak and spell type yeah, but, speak it and was, maths. but it was it was a little thing it had a little guy with a the kind professor. of the yeah, professor yeah, yeah. that was it so I swapped the professor for the alien and my mum was so pissed off at me <laughs> because surprised. I swapped an educational yeah. toy, for a, toy for a monster you're listening to I Love the 1980s a very special episode of the Empire Podcast I want to hear the director's cut of that story because yeah. that already felt endless sorry sorry but no <laughs> alien alien is has always been huge in my life it's on it's there it's, 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 it's kind of it's like it's in my DNA but not in a shit way like Prometheus that's story was Dan's kingdom of heaven. <laughs> Arise a night. 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 Is that, is that what the Queen said to, to Ridley Scott when she knocked him? Arise a night. Oh, you think she and was just... Said, I you think she was... The Queen was actually just a massive fan of kingdom of heaven and <laughs> she was like, it her. was just a misunderstanding and he thought he was being knighted. Who isn't? <laughs> I prefer the director's cut myself. It's a masterpiece. That's the Queen, by the way, oh, in right. case you weren't okay. sure who that was. Sorry, I, I, I thought that was Edward Norton. <laughs> <laughs> one for the match enjoys. Uh, Nicholas, uh, um, what, what was your entry point to I Ritter's? I to disappoint. I don't have a strong memory of, of seeing one of these for the first time. Uh, it was kind of Alien was a bit overshadowed by Aliens for me because I saw Aliens first. And that was on a VHS tape that was getting passed around my school. And that blew my mind. And so I think seeing Alien after that, it didn't quite... You know, I always thought that was that was a kind of a lesser thing, and it's only since then that I've you know obviously come to understand mm-hmm. how brilliant the film it is. I've come um, to see its majesty. It's amazing. We saw it recently, didn't we? Uh, was it three of us? Mm-hmm. Or, yep. you know, sorry, Dan. You, yeah, there's four of us in the room. I know, but I'm ignoring you for the purposes of the anecdote because you weren't there. You must have fallen off the WhatsApp group notifications because you don't check your phone, do you, Dan? Well, you know, I'm trying to reduce yeah. my screen. Oh no, time, wait! Chris. I know what it was. We didn't invite you. Uh, so there was. <laughs> I'm kidding, Dan. I love you. Uh, was it? Did we see it? Yeah, we did. Seventy mil. We saw, it, um, we saw yeah. like an, a furry the celluloid. It was like an original yeah, print. Seventy mil print. We saw and it. And it was kind of bit purple yeah. and moved a lot. <laughs> Looked like an alien was in the projection uh, booth. Are you talking about? Oh, the, the alien. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. It was. <laughs> but I think yeah, when you were a teenager, I think aliens kind of hits you in the mm. between the ears. And um, the first film, seeing it on the big screen, that was actually the first time I'd seen it on the big screen when I saw it with you guys and. I yeah, think that's so. the ideal way to see it. It's slow and creeping dread and all that. And it's kind of amazing watching Alien and Aliens back uh, because they take their sweet time. I know it's about an hour into Aliens before we even see an alien. And the same thing with Alien. It's about 45 mm. minutes or so before John Hurt needs some Rennies. And that's incredible. You can't imagine that happening these days. I mean, I or even, even 10 years ago, I remember interviewing Paul W.S. Anderson, about Alien versus Predator when he was shooting on set and I did a phoner with him from the set and I, I said the same thing. It's like, you know, Predator takes a sweet time getting to the Predator. Alien takes a sweet time getting to the Alien. What about you? Are you going to do the same thing? And he goes, yeah, of course. We're going to have a slow build-up. And you watch that movie, there's a Predator in the first shot. <laughs> there's an Alien in like the second shot. It's just... Well, maybe moronic. by slow build-up he meant the studio logo. <laughs> and then, Enough of that. Yeah. Jurassic, Jurassic Park, you don't see the T-Rex for an hour either. So, similar then, thing. Yeah. Oh, you do see Bob Peck uh, right away. <laughs> the Unleashed Peck early yeah. on. Uh, but I, you know, I think that's really interesting that in terms of uh, Ridley's uh, slow burn approach to his movies all the way through his career. I mean, even if you look at look at Prometheus and uh, and uh, 
Alien Covenant, and they get they cut to the chase a lot earlier than than Alien did. It doesn't apply to all his films. I mean, you see Hannibal quite early on in Hannibal. You see Robin Hood <laughs> quite early on in Robin Hood. Uh, there's matchstick men everywhere in the first frame of uh, of Thelma and Louise. Oh, it's good. It's good. You don't see uh, a Martian at all. I'm pretty annoyed at that. Yeah, right. He's just humans. It's just a man. Yeah. Ugh. Rubbish. Lol. I think I'm like you guys as well, though. I think I saw. I think I think I saw Alien first, or Blade Runner, one of the two. When I was when I was just a bairn, and my parents didn't care what I watched. Did none of you saw Legend. That surprising. No, I did. I Legend, Legend was a, was a big film of my childhood yeah. as well. I've seen Legend probably more than any other Ridley Scott film apart from Blade Runner and Alien. Is it so, on your list? Is it in your top ten, Dan? It is in my top ten, actually. Holy cow. Don't tell us what your top ten is yet. We'll, we'll do that at the end of the uh, the show. I wasn't going um, to. Uh, Legend, yeah, I saw Legend. Definitely saw Legend. But the chestbruster scene had infamy on its side, didn't it? So I was aware of the chestbruster si- uh, yeah. sequence. Even before I saw it, I'm pretty sure I saw it on, on TV late at night before... And I wasn't really aware of the film, and I certainly wasn't aware of Ridley Scott, but I saw the Jesperster sequence, and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. I think I might have seen Spaceballs and its spoof of that scene before I saw the actual scene. Really? Yeah. It is slightly better than the Spaceballs version, but there's not much in it. There's less dancing. Yeah. So, um... (laughs) (laughs) There is. One of the things you often hear said about Ridley Scott is that for a man of his magnificence and his prolificness... Uh, he hasn't made that many Stone Cold classics. And that may be slightly controversial, but what I mean is he made Alien, which is undeniably a classic, as his second film. The Duelists, I think we can all agree, is, is flawed, but not a classic. Uh, and then he made Blade Runner. And then he had a bit of a fallow period. Thelma and Louise, you could argue it's a classic. A lot of people will be rooting for Gladiator. Not a film I love. Uh, we'll talk about Kingdom of Heaven in, in a second. I feel that might be slightly controversial as well. And then you come up to the Martian. So in this long storied career of his, has he really only hit the jackpot two, three, four times? And is that enough to put him in the Pantheon? Well, it's, it's really interesting because I'm, I'm not going to give anything away, but my top five is one film per decade. <laughs> so and it's well, immediately wrong. So, so, so according to me, according to this list I've put together, he makes one great movie a decade. That's right. his hit rate. But that, that, that's a good thing, right? Because that means that at least once a decade. I mean, he's in his 80s now, and yeah. he's still firing away. He's, he's working on a movie right now. I think he has plans to shoot something else after that. He may even do another Alien, who knows? And he's the busiest man in Hollywood. Yeah, he has peaks and troughs, shall mm-hmm. we say, as a, illustrated by last year where he made Alien Covenant, which I think is a terrible film, and All the Money in the World, which isn't a great film, but it's a good film. Mm. But he's also made The Martian recently, so he can still knock it out of the park in his, in his late 70s and early 80s when most people will be falling asleep drooling in front of Countdown. I mean, the, thing, the thing I found with, with Ridley Scott is you can always guarantee it will be a visual feast, as the critics say. <laughs> you can always, a, it's always going to look good, and yeah. he's always at his best when he's world-building, you know, whether that's historically or, or fantastically. But, and, I, and, and I'm going to actually quote Ian Nathan here. He's got a tin ear when it comes to script. He just he doesn't seem to have quality control button when it comes to scripts to storytelling, so, which means you can you, you so often you get really good looking films, but they're just a yeah. mess story wise. He's a very visual director. It's funny, like I interviewed him for The Martian, and while he was talking to me, he was doing a, an oil painting. <laughs> like he was painting. He goes, "Well, as I'm talking to you, I'm painting a picture." Was he, he was painting you? He and was well. He's, he was painting me like one of his French girls, um, and he. Uh, well, yeah, James, he was saying it's like he's very, very visual. Everything with him, like he pictures. Like he, when he sees a script, I think he sees the visuals of, and, and that's his entry point to any project he goes into. Mm-hmm. And to a certain extent, I think the, the story is a little bit secondary. I think it's all about, you know, how it's going to appear on screen. Yeah, Thelma and Louise is maybe one of the exceptions where it's not so much about the visuals, perhaps, and more about the story and the characters. I disagree. I think Thelma and Louise is very visually powerful. I mean, the, you know, the, the using that uh, American, almost classically Western landscape mm. as the backdrop uh, for that is it's a, it's a very big film. And it's, it's, it's an intimate story. But it's, it's a huge film, and that's, that's why it's so good, I think. And I think you need that. I think that's what, that's what makes it really work. Yeah, um, and I guess the most iconic moment in that film is a visual moment. Very yeah. much so, yeah. Or the uh, driving off the cliff at the end, spoiler alert. No, Brad Pitt was shut off. Oh, hello. <laughs> yes, the driving off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> Baby um, Brad. 
yeah, but yeah, I think I think I think you're right. The, the, the Duelist is a very visual film. Alien, obviously, I mean, it comes from his advertising background. It comes from his art yeah. school background, mm. uh, which really plays into a lot of his movies. Blade Runner looks stunning. Legend, someone to watch over me. Even even a, mm. a, a sort of mid level thriller like Someone to Watch Over Me has mm. some really lovely visuals going for it. Black Rain is suffused yes. in steam and fog and mist, yeah. and is utterly daft. It's a two hour lager commercial, but it's <laughs> it is, um, it is, isn't it? It looks amazing. I rewatched that over the weekend, and um, it's it's not a good film. Script-wise or character-wise, um, it's got go. D- Michael Douglas doing his ultimate sort of bad boy cop thing that he did in Basic Instinct a couple Very of years dull. later. But you know, it looks great. There's some amazing shots, and there's so much neon. Like there could not be any more neon in that film. It's but, Michael uh, Douglas's best hair, would you say? Very good hair. It's really good hair. Very good hair. And uh, Andy Garcia has good hair on top of on top for of a while. Head. Yeah. For, <laughs> <laughs> for a Spoiler. while. Looking back at the, some of the stuff he's done recently, Black Hawk Down, Hannibal, which is a film that, you know, it suffers in comparison, as indeed does Prometheus and Alien Covenant, to the fact that it's being compared to one of the greatest films of all time. But I kind of really enjoyed really? Hannibal. It has a lot what? of good, it has a lot of good stuff going for it. Lots of it's it's got a sense of fun. It's got his tongue rammed into someone else's cheek. It I, is I in quite many like ways that. the worst Hannibal film, and I include Young Hannibal <laughs> in that. Young Hannibal is that a Young Sheldon? <laughs> yes. It's not the worst Hannibal film. It's, it's pretty. It is absolutely not the Silence worst. Silence is great. Film. Red Dragon is decent. Yeah. And then Red know. Dragon is absolutely workmanlike. Whereas Hannibal has some really really oh. fun sequences. It's got Gary Oldman it's attempting attempting the Winston Churchill makeup for the first time. It didn't quite work. It didn't get him the Oscar that time, <laughs> but they nailed it later on. We all like to see Ray Liotta's brain being eaten with a spoon. Who doesn't? Who that? doesn't love that? Well, look, look, Red, Red Dragon is workmanlike. Absolutely agree. Which makes it watchable. Hannibal. <laughs> Hannibal is like. This 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 weirdly, like I say, it looks great, but it's it is it's just shit. It's a pure it's exercise. Baroque, it's in a style. baroque piece of shit. shit. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with being a piece of shit. <laughs> Ridley polishes that turd and then some. And I mean, it was not a good book. The stuff with pigs just about works on the page, but it does not work on the screen. Uh, no, I'm talking about the, the, the really interesting stuff in Florence with uh, Giancarlo Giannini, who's really fun, and that sequence is really over the top. That's fun, guys. Where's your sense of fun? It's one thing that we look at, you know, look at Ritter's uh, filmography as perhaps is lacking is a sense of fun. Alien is not a laugh fest. Blade Runner is not a laugh fest, but he actually has quite a more sense of humor. The Martian is maybe the his Martian funniest yeah. film. Fun, yeah. Matchstick Man has Matchstick fun Man, as well. Yeah. Both, yeah, both of which fun. are on my list. I mean, yeah, I, I me quite too. like that playful side of him. Um, the, the Martian is a really, really commercial movie, but I'm just saying give Hannibal a little bit more love. It's Hannibal's. It is. Hannibal's. Feed it to the pigs, Errol. <laughs> All right. Well, if you like that controversial opinion, I've got another one for you as well. Blade Runner ain't all that. Oh, oh God. Okay. You, you, I didn't want to do this, Chris, but with that, you have forced me to out you as a man who didn't understand the plot of Blade Runner. <laughs> a man who, until recently, believed the replicants were robots. I still don't get it. <laughs> I still don't get it. They clearly have some sort of programming. How are they not robots? They are artificially created organic life forms. Well, so they what? do not have, like, circuit boards and So how do, they have pro- and- how do they have programming? How do they have programming? Yeah. Well, I didn't make them. I don't work for yeah, Tyrell yeah, Corporation. You're, you're, you're standing in very thin ice there, matey. <laughs> Psychological programming. That's the whole point of the dreams and the memories. They insert the memories right. and they create the How? dreams for them. So keep How? Them- How do they insert the memories, Dan? Uh, with, the, they- with the memory-making machine. Yeah. How are they super strong, Dan? Well, look, next you can be asking me how they go into people's dreams in Inception. It doesn't matter. How do they go into people's dreams in Inception, It's Dan? pretty clear they use that one wire and the other one. <laughs> <laughs> you can get them in Maplins, or you could. Oh. It's an HDMI cable. R.I.P. Maplins. Oh, man. <laughs> no, Blade Runner is brilliant, and you're a Burke. <laughs> well, I stand corrected. <laughs> what don't you like about it? Uh, it's, it's long, boring, dull, and doesn't go anywhere. <sighs> Time to die. Just like, just just <laughs> um, yeah, we'll be able to get yeah. onto that in a second. There, there are some elements of Blade Runner that don't stand up, so you know, there's, there's some quite horrible uh, sexual abuse going on in it so dodgy sexual politics yeah it's on my list but that's because you know it's not as bad as Exodus Gods and Kings or The Counselor 
Chris, all of your opinions will be lost in time like tears and rain. <laughs> uh, but you are right. Exodus, Gods and Kings is yeah. a shocking film. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, uh, the counselor, I mean, is the counselor bad? It's very average. Some, it's relentlessly bleak. Some people think it's a masterpiece. I'd say it's anything but average. It's a uh, weird film. No, it's I a don't, weird film. I, I think it is it's quite It's got Cameron average. Diaz having sex with a car. <laughs> and it's very got, true. Um, it's got the, one of the best screen deaths in, I'd say, the last 10 years. Oh, what with the, the collar oh, thing? Bandolera. Yes. Which oh, yes. the exploding Just, thing that wraps around your neck. So that was crazy. Horrible. It's so bleak. Like I came yeah. out of that film feeling like I did at the end of The Mist. It's staying true to Cormac McCarthy, whose stuff is pretty bleak and nihilistic for the most part. Yeah. I, I thought it was an interesting film. The great weird. last Ridley Scott film for me is actually Blood Meridian, which he was working on for ages and was going to be an adaptation of that great Cormac McCarthy book. And I could just absolutely see that working with Ridley Scott. I mean, this sort of blood-soaked grand western. It would have been awesome. Uh, even more so than his version of I Am Legend with Arnold Schwarzenegger. But but yeah, I I, I get that. I absolutely get that. It, you know, it, it chimes with McCarthy's themes, but it's just not very good, is no. it? No. It's, no, a, bit, it's, it's a bit ponderous and pretentious. But again, people will go to Badford and say it's a masterpiece. And, and what do I what do I know? I, I quite like bits of Hannibal. Well, what are we saying is Ridder's worst film? Are we saying it's Exodus? Are we saying it's G.I. Jane? Where do we think is the bottom of the barrel, Dan? Alien Covenant. Really? Yep. No. Yep. I mean, it's not good, but it's not yep. the worst. I hate it. If I had to choose between Exodus, all 17 hours no. of it, and Alien Covenant... <laughs> I'd watch Exodus you know, again over Alien I'd take Covenant. the Alien over Moses pretty much every day of the week. Like- Ex- Exodus had one good idea in it. Alien Covenant has none. Alien Covenant is an objectively not good film, but you know I could watch it again if only for the fingering scene. <laughs> I would, no, I, James, let me do the fingering. <laughs> um, I, Covenant, Covenant, weirdly, almost made it onto my list because I liked the ending so much. It was one of the films of last year where I walked out of going, I didn't think the film overall was great, but I thought the last yeah. five ten, even though I saw it coming, so even though I saw it coming. I thought that is a ballsy ending but to put in. This was an interesting one as well. Like that, it, it's a film with a twist which is telegraphed so horrifically. Like I, I don't understand how that got through. But the twist is telegraphed, but the ending isn't. You you don't go into that thinking well, that David a, is going to win. The level of bleakness. No, no. You, yeah. I thought there was going to be a final confrontation on board, and that he she was going to get the upper hand. But he, you know, I I didn't see coming just how dark and horrendous and nihilistic. Yeah. It felt like a real. 70s ending in a way yeah. and I thought you know fair play to him that's he's gone for it yeah it's the ending that Alien itself doesn't have even Prometheus has a slightly hopeful ending yeah. and, and hopeful for me in that it ended which was good <laughs> uh, don't but, see, I've got a soft spot for Prometheus I see I, I, I rather enjoyed that when it I came out I don't mind the first hour of Prometheus I mean Prometheus is the Phantom Menace and Alien Covenant is Attack of the Clones I mean this is you know all we can hope is that if he does do another one it'll be half as good as Revenge of the Sith. I, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I think Prometheus works as a standalone piece of hard sci-fi. I don't think it works as part of the Alienverse. And in my head, I detach the two things. Uh, like, I try and take it as its own thing. And I think if Covenant had also been something that felt separate... I would have enjoyed that more, but when it started treading on holy alien ground, I can't. It has, some, it has some of the stupidest character behaviour. Mm. Just oh, like, yes, yeah, so I'm just going to stand next to this giant pulsating egg thing that is next to some dead bodies, and what could possibly go wrong? But you know, I kind of admire that there is some risk taking going on in those two films, so I don't completely hate them. Mm. You look at you look at his films over the last few years. It's kind of interesting because Prometheus and Alien Covenant for me are about disproving that God exists. And essentially saying that we were created by a different a- alien race. I'm not entirely sure that Ridley Scott is saying that, or he's being an, an atheist or an agnostic or whatever with these movies. But it's fascinating that sandwiched in between Prometheus and Alien Covenant is Exodus, Gods and Kings. And The Counselor as well is quite a godless film. It's about a, a, a universe in which bad shit will happen because there is no God, there is no righteousness, there is no justice. And that's quite quite a cynical, quite a nihilistic worldview, juxtaposed with joyfulness with, of the Martian, and even all the money in the world has uh, quite an optimistic resolution, I would say. Well, I, I think, although you, you pointed out uh, Exodus, Gods and Kings, but that's quite interesting, because that's almost, it's obviously not an atheistic take on what happened, because supernatural stuff happens, but it, there doesn't, is God in that it, doesn't, point, yeah. it doesn't spell it out massively, and it sort of, it rationalises mm-hmm. the plagues, 
in a way that I, is the one good idea. I mean, you know, I said there was one good idea in it. That was, that was the one good idea. The way it rationalizes the plagues, which is really interesting. So it's not just kind of random magic stuff plucked out of the sky or whatever. So, um, but I mean, you know, I, I am not a Christian. Um, I am an atheist. I kind of took the, the theism, if you like, in Gods and Kings in the same way I took the, uh, the theism in Noah. It's a mythology. You're, mm-hmm. just, you're playing with a mythology and, and, you know, Christian Jewish mythology is, is as valid as any other mythology that we get on a cinema screen. Um, so, yeah. so, but I, 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 I couldn't, I, in terms of the godlessness and the atheism of, of the alien films, I just couldn't get past how just how bad they were. I couldn't get any deeper. Just, just the, yeah. It was just such bad storytelling. I couldn't even start messing around with the themes in my head. Well, there's always been a running theme about the senselessness of violence. I think going right back to the duelists, which is just about these mm. two guys just fighting for no reason. It's just and male ego, isn't it, that film? Yeah, which is, what you get in, fascinating. which is what you get in Kingdom of Heaven as well, where you've mm. got these two sides and they're driven by the extremists on either side and no, mm. none of it really makes any sense. But I think that's a that's a thing that he's he's had all throughout his career. It's just how pointless all this this uh, stuff is. Kingdom of Heaven's an interesting one though, because that's what's it, it's like roughly it's a two and a half hour film, mm. and then the director's cut, which is nearly three hours twenty. So that's a monstrosity. Uh, the director's cut being a substantially different film to the theatrical one, vastly superior. It's fascinating. So his whole thing on that was that he listened to focus groups too much. The early test screenings were quite negative, so he cut 45 minutes out of the film to, in inverted commas, improve it, and ended up killing the whole film. Um, And he's kind of railed against uh, test screenings ever since then, I think. But I genuinely love Kingdom of Heaven. Didn't like Mm -hmm. it at all when Mm -hmm. I first saw it. Revisited it for the director's cut, and suddenly it all fell into place, because you have all that extra characterization. You understand who Balian is. You have all the prologue, the stuff with his brother, with Liam Neeson. Um, and uh, yeah, it, the whole thing feels completely and yeah, witty. it feels like such a sort of diet film. It's just weird to say for a film that's two and a half hours long. But like the the like the the love section oh, doesn't make any sense. Either Green storyline is at all butchered. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing to it. It just feels like she's parachuted in for a sex scene and then leaves. Yeah, it's it's a very peculiar film. And then I think it definitely needed that breathing room. Uh, so if you haven't seen the director's cut, watch it, because it's great. Just before he kind of catches the CGI bug like many directors yeah. have. And I think if you look at Exodus <laughs> after watching Kingdom of Heaven, like one feels really weighty. Although, although, there is a scene in Kingdom of Heaven where they breach the walls, and there's an aerial view of the camera where you see top down on the battle and it pulls up. And I don't know how many takes they did or how hot it was or how late it was in the day, but all of the extras are just sort of shuffling and like pushing each other gently and just sort of like <laughs> elbowing and there's no fighting going on whatsoever. It looks like they're just like, it looks like they're all at a gig together and it's in between the warm-up and the May Mac coming up, and they're all just waiting, looking at the stage and having a boogie to the ambience music. I think you'll find that it's historically accurate <laughs> boogie. Um, but yeah, it's decent. I, a lot of people rave about Kingdom of Heaven director's car. I, I can't quite see it. I haven't seen it on the big screen. I don't think it had, did it ever get released on the big screen. I think I saw it on the big screen. No, it went, uh, yeah. Unless they did DVD screens, but it, 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 I don't think it got a theatrical release. I think, I think it did. But my, I was sure that wasn't a press thing, because we might have been showing it theatrically. It, maybe, but I, I definitely remember seeing it and going, oh, wow, this is... Uh, Honestly, for me, I mean, the word masterpiece is bandied around, but I think it's absolutely phenomenal. People people lost their shit over Gladiator. It's, it's a film I, I, I like. It's not amazing. That's got some pretty ruby CG in there as well. And this, for me, Kingdom of Heaven is a film of Gladiator. Mm. It, I, I know that feels a little bit like the band the Beatles could have been, but it, it does <laughs> It does feel like that. What's your for me. beef with Gladiator? I don't have a huge beef with Gladiator. It's on my top 10, but again, largely because it's not White Squall. Yeah, I'd say one of the, the what Gladiator has in its favour and, and Kingdom of Heaven doesn't is a great central performance. Yes. And I think you watch Kingdom of Heaven and it's very hard to get swept up in it because Orlando Bloom, I like him a lot. He seems like a lovely guy, but I wouldn't, as the sensible character in a three and a half hour historical epic. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is one of the things about the director's cut in that it gives other characters more room to shine. And it even makes his performance work a little bit better in context when you get a little bit more depth and a little bit more understanding of, of who he is and where he comes from. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe? Russell Crowe? Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Welcome to a new world of cults and monsters. Russell Crowe, yeah, he's great in Gladiator. And he did he win the Oscar for that? Or was it for Beautiful Mind that he won? It was for Beautiful, Beautiful Mind, wasn't, wasn't it? it? Yeah. But, he's, but that's what established him as a really charismatic leading man. Like, you know, we knew him from LA Confidential and, you know, whatever else. Was it Romper Stomper? Quick in the Dead, my friend. Yes, Quick, quick in the Dead. Quick but, in the motherfucking Dead. But that kind of made him a star. And uh, that was the film where, uh, when he was making that film, I went clubbing with him in Covent Garden. <laughs> 
Sorry, what? No, I went clubbing with Russell Crowe while he was shooting Gladiator. This is absolutely true. Uh, you went clubbing? Yeah, I know. That's the most unbelievable part of this story. Was this um, before or after you were on set of Alien? It was after I was on set of Alien. Right. Uh, we went, uh, a friend of mine was friends with Ridley Scott's assistant and uh, his assistant Millie and we went to a club and if memory serves, it was a club called The Funking Pussy. Amazing. And it was in Covent Garden and Russell came and he wore a long coat and he just stood in the corner looking moody the entire evening. Did you have- Which is normally my move in a club. So I was a little bit taken aback by Did that. Did you have the tiger from Gladiator with you? No, it didn't come. <laughs> I think it was invited but couldn't make it. Right, okay. Can I say something about Gladiator and, and, the, and the CG thing? Yeah. Right. Gladiator was ahead of the curve uh-huh. right? in that sense. Gladiator was the film that proved that you could uh, resurrect the past in a big way using CGI. Yes. Yeah, before then, it's because like, historical epics had gone out the window because mm. they were just too expensive to mount. You couldn't do it. You know, apart from anything else, you can get the studio space anymore. You can get all the extras. Um, and what what Gladiators did was actually it changed that it started a whole like looking the sort of in, during the two thousands you suddenly got lots of people trying to do big historical epics again and, and mm. bringing back you know and then Kingdom of Heaven killed it all yeah well <laughs> just yeah, four years yeah. later um, so I think it's a bit unfair I mean it was it was by modern standards the some of it doesn't stand up so well but just at the time you know people people were gobsmacked and rightly so we mm. hadn't seen. You know, ancient Rome presented that way. And the music. Yeah, music. Oh, yeah. Great. Zimmer and yeah. Gerard. That's right. Yeah. Amazing yeah. stuff. And of course, yeah. the whole film, I mean, because Oliver Reed died during production, obviously the ending of the film isn't what it was. It isn't what it was supposed to be. Well, so. there's another reason the ending isn't what it was. It was supposed to be, be uh, a huge battle scene. But they didn't have the money. <laughs> they, they actually, so that's why you've got this promise of a big battle towards the end. And it's like... Oh no! Actually, let's, 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 let's do this another way. They they had to creatively solve that little problem. But I like that film as well. I do I do like that film, and I like the fact that it it kicked off this run of of movies that really made with uh, with Rusty Rusty Crow. Uh, so over the next few years, they would make uh, a good year, which wasn't great. American Gangster, Body of Lies. Uh, and Robin Hood and that was it that was the last time they worked together so they need to get back on it I think Robin Hood has a director's cut as well doesn't it does it I think so I haven't seen surely it surely no one has watched that <laughs> that film was I, when did that come out 2010 uh, Robin correct. Hood was 2010 yes that is correct I can remember nothing about that film I remember Mark Strong that's it did I liked it. it did he have hair he has hair in Body of Lies I don't think he had any he doesn't have hair in no. it also Oscar Isaac uh, early performance from Oscar really? Isaac really as who he's the best thing in it yeah, he's King the, John yeah. was he I don't yeah. remember that at all Kate Blanchett Kate Blanchett has made Marion she is yes yeah. I have no recollection what, 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 of this film either I, I actually I liked Robin Hood it was based on a spec script which I believe was uh, posted that Robin Hood was actually the bad guy and the Sheriff of Nottingham was the good guy. That's right, and then Ridley yeah. Scott took over and ditched all of that yeah. and made a really basic, tedious origin story about Robin Hood that no one needs. Wasn't that when it was called Nottingham? Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was, yeah. But, yeah. It was, but they took the same script but, and fiddled around with it. That is more interesting than what it ended up being. And I'm not saying that what happened wasn't flawed. I mean, you've got the roving accent for a start and maybe Crow wasn't the best casting uh, considering that when he made that, he was older than Sean Connery was when they made Robin and Marion, which was supposed to be the film about the old age of Robin Hood. <laughs> but so, Sean Connery, in fairness, always looked like he was in his late 50s, yeah, apart true. from the early Bond stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like the Batman Begins of Robin Hood. That's what I liked about it. It was just like saying, right, let's... It's all, you kind of you have an idea and you end it with the idea of he's in the Sherwood of Forest. There's the Merry Men. Maid Marian's part of the story, and uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham's going, "Oh, that Robin Hood! I want to get him," <laughs> except uh, with a better voice. And and it ends there. And I liked that. I kind of liked the fact that it kind of just built up and and it I had know, this really interesting idea of what. It's just one of those movies that sets up its own sequel and just doesn't follow through on that. No, no, it's it's kind of the story behind the legend. It's, that's what I. That's the tagline, like Dan, isn't it? Well, that's, <laughs> you're just, that's, you're just parroting the tagline. I, I talk in taglines. What can I say? And you know, I kind of it was really interesting. There was some interesting, and I thought King John was fantastic. I thought Oscar Isaac was the best reason mm. to see that film. I mean, it's still quite drab and gloomy looking, as I recall. As we've established, I can't remember anything about it. But <laughs> I remember it not looking particularly good um, for a Ridley Scott film. You know, I don't know what I was expecting, some great trees or whatever, but <laughs> I, great trees. I think that's the one on his, on his list that I just don't, I, and Exodus, those two, I don't think you could pay me to watch those again. Really? I'd watch Robin Hood again, definitely. I absolutely would never watch Exodus again. Mm. Uh, no. Or The oh, Counselor, yeah. to be honest. 
couldn't play the counselor. I would for watch different reasons. the counselor. I'd watch again because it's got enough good performance, enough interesting offbeat weird moments to 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 draw you in. If you caught it on TV one day, but mm. Exodus: Gods and Kings, no, that's a hard pass. Hard pass. In fact, for me, I mean, I don't like either Prometheus or. Uh, Alien Covenant but for me that might be the worst of Sir Ritter's but we're not here to talk about the worst necessarily we're here to talk about the best we're here to rank his top 10 ultimately so that's uh, that's nailed down some really hardline questions what's your favourite Ritter's movie? Um, well, it's Alien isn't it? yeah it's Alien I mean you could probably tell from the story yeah. I told the long story I told at the beginning uh, so it's, it's totally Alien Alien? yeah okay yeah. Yeah. everyone it's else? Alien. It's, alien. Alien. Yeah. it's absolutely Alien I okay. mean, you could make an argument for Blade Runner, but you'd be wrong because it's Alien. I think his movies are generally quite sprawling, and I think he sometimes loses control of them because of that. And Alien, the fact it's set in such a claustrophobic, tight space for the most part, um, I think really helps it. And mm. it's, it's, there's a, a sort of discipline, a disciplineness about it. That's not a word. Oh, just a discipline. A, a, a dis- discipline yeah, a discipline, about yeah. it, which is not there in all of his movies. And... Um, I think it's amazing. It's pretty have you, ever, have you ever heard this, guys? I've just come up with this uh, about Alien. This, uh, you, I, I, to me, it's a haunted house movie in space. Have you ever... <laughs> no one has ever, have you ever thought about that? No one has ever, ever thought, thought of that, that before. No? That's quite revolutionary. That's how it feels to me. It's Jaws on a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Greece, but in... No, wait, no. It's Black Rain, but in <laughs> space. <laughs> to be fair... It's Alien Covenant, but not shit. I think... <laughs> To overlook his achievement in making that film work uh, would be a crime. In that it is, in essence, I mean, it was a film called Star Beast. Initially, yes, exactly it was as schlocky and B movie as you could possibly get. It's, it's the kind of title. stuff we all rented that went straight to video in the eighties, and yet he turned it into something that has endured the test of time. Uh, to think we could have a movie called Star Beast Covenant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's such a shame they changed the title. Star Beasts. Well, to, be, to be fair to Starby, I mean, you know, Dan O'Bannon, and he did um, Dark Star with John Carpenter, which is another one of my favourites. Yeah. So, uh, you know. And Return of the, Li- of the Living Dead, which is mm-hmm. a great zombie film Indeed. as well. Indeed. Mm-hmm. So but it all comes together. The, the score is amazing. The, the Geiger star. It's just one of those movies where yeah. everything came together. Everything. But obviously, he's a huge part of it. And, yeah. Uh, mm. But it's dripping with tension, that film is. It's absolutely terrifying. I mean, I would say in terms of the scariest films I've ever seen... That and The Omen are probably the two, which have caused me to run screaming from the room. But going back to Alien real quick, he also pulls that trick, doesn't he, of, you, you know, nowadays you go into it knowing Sigourney Weaver's the, the star because of Aliens. And I'm yeah. maybe maybe we all knew that going into when we saw it for the first time. But back in the day... My mum explained it all to me. I told you this. Yeah. She made... I knew everything. But was happened. this pre-Aliens or, or post-Aliens? Pre-Aliens. Pre-Aliens. Okay. Aliens was 86, so... All right. yeah, this, okay. okay. Oh, no, no. Let me do the maths. Hang on. Everyone be quiet while I do the maths. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so I, no, it was pre-Aliens. All right. Brief so pause while Dan does maths. But if you went to see that film in 1979, you had no idea. You thought that Tom Skerritt was going to be the guy because he's the big name. He's Skerritt, come on. Imagine, yes. No he's one's the gonna, man. No one's going to kill Skerritt. <laughs> Skerritt's going to survive. But you know that he's, uh, you know, that you think that Skerritt's going to be the, the, big, the big boy on campus. Even someone like John Hurt, who the film focuses on for the first, you know, 10, 15 endless minutes. Uh, <laughs> And then obviously Sigourney Weaver comes to the fore. Also, that's, that's, that's relatively fresh. What's quite interesting is up until that point, Sigourney Weaver's character is a bit of a bell end. Like she's not particularly likable. The the scene she has, mm. um, you know, with Parker and Brett, she comes across as an ass. When she won't let them back into the ship, she comes across as incredibly cold and unfeeling. Like you don't like her very much. She's the smart. She's unlike in Prometheus and Alien Covenant, where every character makes very stupid choices and doesn't behave in any realistic way. She is making very intelligent choices. The kind of things that most rational people would do in those situations and behaves in completely believable ways mm. um, true yeah so, so, so it's interesting so she's you say she comes across as a bit of a what's the word you used bellend bellend <laughs> um, uh, but, but actually she's the person that's following the protocols mm. yeah. which they should you know you don't just get off a spaceship walk onto a planet surface take your helmet off yeah. I mean it might be breathable air but there might be some other things there that you've got something mm-hmm. to worry about everybody in Alien Covenant one thing that, that this film has that the other Alien films doesn't is that real sense of the crew being this blue-collar, working-class kind of unit. And it's they're like space truckers. Yeah. Which I think, I wonder if partly that's due to Ridley's, you know, he was brought up in the north of England in County Durham, I think. And yeah. I just wonder how much of he brought to that sense of uh, these guys I, as just being... Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. He's a working class background, man. Yeah. Yeah. I want you all to be like truckers in space. Oh, God. Can you do that? And then when the man is like having his dinner and like something will rip out of his chest, like, and there'll be blood everywhere. And you'll be like, what the fuck is going on, man? That's what. That's how really directed. It just feels, it feels, back in the late seventies, it just feels different to other sci-fi films. And you know, look at like Star Trek. It's, it's just a very different vibe with the characters. Like, I'm just saying, don't overlook the characters. No, I agree. Mm. I agree. I agree. Right. So Harrison, right, you're a replicant. So you're like a robot, but you've got programming. How oh, you're super strong? That's what he's thinking. Just very, oh, very, quick, very, very quickly. Then is is okay. A couple of very, very quick questions. We've got in the top ten. Number one, is Descartes a replicant? Yes or no? Go, quickly around the table. No. Dan says no. Yes. Nick says yes. James. Yes. James says yes. I say no. Oh, stalemate. Mm, we'll have to take this one to the Morrison's car park. Because you're programmed to do that. <laughs> uh, yes. Cells interlinked. Interlinky cells. My cells are interlinked. Uh, second thing, what is uh, the film on your list that might surprise people? Black Rain. <laughs> You've given it a round kick in here, but it's still on your list. It's objectively not a good film. <laughs> However, it is better than Rising Sun, and it has the the most glamorously shot car park in cinematic history. So for that reason, <laughs> I'm putting it in at number 10. And we've talked about it, but that scene where Andy Garcia gets his head chopped off is a really good scene. It's a scene. really good scene. So spoiler, yeah. Andy Garcia gets his head chopped off <laughs> by some Yakuza bikers yeah. who are, oh, they're rotters. Yeah. Uh, but Michael Douglas is on the other side of this... Um, this sort of chain link fence and mm. you can see everything happening but he can't get to him it's just really well shot it's a great death scene not the most progressive of film in terms of race relations no, no, no. Yeah. it's got um, Michael Douglas using words that he shouldn't be using about his Japanese compadres and every Japanese character is either a villain or incompetent <laughs> I'm giving it a place on my list because of the neon how much neon there <laughs> he is he loves the neon uh, Dan what's on your list that might surprise people well it's Robin Hood Robin Hood? Yeah. And you've, you've told us why? Yeah. Don't, 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 don't tell us a number. Don't tell us a number. We'll do it in a second. James, what's in your list of might surprise people? Prometheus. You. All right, hang on. We're, you can't drop that as we're coming to the end of the <laughs> podcast because that's going to fuel another 45 minutes of me calling you uh, a bellend. No, I told you. I have a real soft spot for Prometheus when taken as a standalone, sort of very traditional hard sci-fi experience. I, the visuals are incredible. I, I loved the world of it. Um, I remember coming out of the screening of that and arguing with everyone because I'd really liked it and you all hated it. I saw the IMAXs, I remember. And uh, yeah, I, I was the lone voice of reason. I like it until everyone starts behaving really, really stupidly. No, just like they do in no. Alien Covenant as well. Mm. It's a good film yeah. for the first 45 minutes and then everyone forgets how to behave. I, I work at Empire. I have a high tolerance for stupidity. <laughs> that, that bit where the alien comes out and the, the, the snaky thing. And he's, Hello, yeah. oh, you're beautiful. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, everyone's been terrified up until this yeah. point And all of a sudden he's all like, yeah. oh, look, you know, oh, it's lovely. Look at it. Yeah. You wouldn't behave like that, would you? Sean Harris. No. I love rocks. <laughs> uh, Ritter's on set directing Rafe's ball. Right, Ralph, what's going to happen is, like, you're going on set now and there's, like, a massive snake and you're going towards the snake and the snake's going to bite you. But don't worry about it, it's going to be all right. It's going to grab your arm. It's going to be all right. <laughs> That's, uh, this is spot on, Sir Ridley. This is your out. day on set. That's what you observed. I've observed you, Ridley. Go over there, big snake. There's, there's a reason it was the last Ridley skip film he was ever on the set of. <laughs> I started directing. Well, you actually—that yeah. that is that explains everything. You were actually pretending to be. I him. grabbed hold the microphone. Right, right, Charlie's lass. If you just run, and then the thing are going to crush you. Uh, I like to run to the side. No, lasses, not you. Do it up in Newcastle. You just run straight, <laughs> and then you get crushed by the massive thing. Anyway. That's almost certainly what happened. That's obvious, yeah. Uh, and then very, very last thing. What's your favourite Ridley Scott scene? And you cannot say the Burster. Ooh. Ha <laughs> ha! Nick coughs gently into a microphone, buying time. Hmm. I don't have an answer for this, but I, <laughs> I just don't know what you think. I mean, the obvious choice would be Roy Batty's death in Blade Runner. So I'm not going to choose that, although it is fantastic. No, I choose it, choose it. Um, I, 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 I really like uh, Brett's death in Alien, which is obviously the first proper death other than John Hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and just when he walks in where there's all the water, which is weirdly, it's raining in a spaceship, but it's the water coming down from it's the condensation, from the, from the, condensation yeah. from the, yeah. from the, the air conditioning. Thing. We know full well. Yeah. From, look at those pipes, yeah. pipes Much the same head. as in yeah. the Empire office. Um, and just, you know, he's looking for the cat. Where are you, stupid cat? You know, and it comes down. You don't see enough of it. You see enough to be terrified, but not enough to know what it is. And just that it's grown. Uh, and that's an incredibly tense moment. I would argue that is 
the standout moment from that film? First big fight in the gladiatorial arena in Gladiator where they're supposed to be killed. They're supposed to lose because they, they, they're faking a battle. Yeah. And Maximus is like, well, I'm no normal gladiator, am I? I'm Maximus. I'm a general. So he you mobilizes them all and it just turns into... And it's, it's great because it's a great battle scene. But also it's a battle scene which in itself is designed to be entertaining because mm-hmm. by this point he's learned that to be a good gladiator you've, you've got to put on a show. So it kind of works in a double way. And that honestly just makes my spine tingle every time I see it. And then it ends with the confrontation, doesn't it? You'll remove your helmet and tell me your name. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, awesome stuff. Nick? Not counting Black Rain. Yeah. And not counting the Lord of the Rings joke in The Martian. Good Sean joke. Bean. I'm going to pick the Voigtkampf test in Blade Runner. Okay. Just because it's such a great intro. Mm. It feels really noiry. It's beautifully lit. It's, it's got creepy questions about insects turtles. and turtles. It's just an amazing scene. Fantastic. Good choices all. I'm going to go for the chest buster scene from, uh, from Alien, <laughs> which is just phenomenal and unsurpassed in the annals of cinema history. Right. Okay. Enough squabbling. Let's vote. Okay. So what we're going to do now is we're going to, you're, you're going to submit your top tens to me. I've got my top ten as well. I'm going to assign points to, to 10 points to number one, one point to number ten. Work it all out. Then we're going to come back and we're going to discuss the top ten. All right. Got cool. that? All right. Okay. I'm changing my list on the fly. You really? You can't. You can't do that. I can't. I'm taking out the duelist and replacing it with Black Hole Down. Oh. <sighs> Massive bellend. Doesn't matter. Come on, just, just. No, it matters. No, it doesn't. It does. Enough squabbling. Uh, let's vote. Okay, welcome back. We have totted up all the points, and we have the official Empire Top Ten of Sir Ridley Scott's films. Are you excited? Very. Are you ready? Ready to find out where Black Rain is. Uh, Black Rain sadly is at number 11 it's not it was because only one person voted for it and that was only at number 10 so it only got got one point so it didn't make it at the top 10 sadly neither did Hannibal I gave Hannibal a a nice little one point vote uh, so it didn't quite make it in so shame also just outside the top 10 Robin Hood and Prometheus Prometheus was robbed oh and uh, the duelists the duelists dropped it down because of a last minute change of heart by James Dyer I had to parachute in Black Hawk Down if only because I saw it at a screening while sitting in the row in front of Ridley Scott and my phone went off halfway through and he was unhappy Wow, your interaction with Ridley Scott, Ridley Scott stars throughout your career <laughs> is kind of amazing. He's been a formative role in my life. Was he going, who's got a bloody yeah. phone on? Yeah. Turn that bloody phone off or shove it up your ass. That's right. literally what he said. Number 10, all the money in the world. This year's, last year's most recent Ridley Scott film. What do we reckon about that? We- Decent with great performances. Yeah, yeah Wahlberg. Well, great performance, two great performances. <laughs> I don't want to single out Mark Wahlberg, but I'm going to single out Mark Wahlberg. He's amazing. And his amazing intellectual glasses that he, he dons <laughs> at moments throughout the film to make himself look clever. Yeah. Christopher Plummer in particular is yes. terrific, given he shot it in like 20 minutes. A uh, good solid film. Nice, nice thriller. Works well for me. Good visuals. Dan hasn't seen it. Dan, if you'd seen it, it might have gone further up the list. It Maybe. might have done. It, it might have been. Done. It yeah. might have pushed up a couple of places. But all the money in the world, I'm totally fine with that. It's uh, it's fine. Um, and in comparison to Alien Covenant, it is a bloody masterpiece. At number nine, sneaking in at the very last minute, it is Leave No Man Behind, Black Hawk Down. Yes, indeed. A film we didn't talk about in the main yeah. bulk of the well, podcast. We didn't, did we? Now, Black Hawk Down is really interesting because it's it's kind of. Plot free in a way. It's it's just a presentation. Plot free. Oh, plot free. Yeah, yeah. It is scot free. It's plot free. Scot free. It's both plot free and scot free. Yes, um, and uh, and it's really visceral and immersive. I I have some issues with it, mm. but in some way it's kind of it's got similarities to Dunkirk. In some ways, it kind of just drops you straight in. Uh, there's there's a little bit of a preamble to explain things mm. for you, but not that much. Hell of a cast. Hell of a hell cast. of a cast. Hell of a cast. Very proper ensemble as well. Yeah. Um, Although so no, was it Josh Hartnett? Oh, he was a, he was one who got his name above the the, the, the title, which yeah. I think showed where his star was at that yeah. time. Eric he Banner was on the poster. Yeah, Eric Banner is the best thing in the, the movie by the best a ever Hulk. No, mm. not really. Bill Fickner. Um, Bill Fickner. Bill Fickner. Orlando's in there, isn't he? He is in yeah. there. Yes. Bloomster. Yeah. Ewan McGregor. The McGregor Bloomer and Bremner. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you got to have Bremner. You got to have Bremner. If you got McGregor, you got it. it came as a two for one package deal back at the, yeah. back in the day. Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs. He's Isaacs. Yes. Yeah. He's in there. Yep. Who else? Ron, what's his face off ER? He Ron Swanson. Ron no. Livingston. Ron, no. Ron Eldard. Yes. Yes. Uh, Jeremy Piven, the Piv, 
Piven. Yeah. I forgot Piven was in it. Yeah, the Piv. Honestly, it's a really good, solid war film. Brookhammer produced. And it's got a great sequence, hasn't it? Where they're operating on this guy and they're trying to... His, he's bleeding profusely from thigh wood. It's one of the most grisly things I've ever seen. It's absolutely horrible. All right. Is it a controversial view to say I prefer 13 hours? I'm saying it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Nick is Mr. Controversy. Uh, number eight, Legend. Yes, it is Legend. Yep. <laughs> is that what you're going to say? Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, I'd say five stars for Tim Curry and his character design yeah. and uh, specifically his giant horny horns. Um, and another five stars two for Two stars unicorn. for everything else. So that brings me to three stars. Brilliant goblins. Mm. Brilliant goblins. Brilliant goblins. Tom Cruise has excellent yeah. hair when he's, what, 15 yeah. or whatever he is in that. Yeah. And the look of it as well, the mm. kind of all the, all the fairy dust in the air. It's everything. very it's all earnest like... and twee. Mm. You're earnest and twee. <laughs> you earnest and twee sounds like a double act. <laughs> Number seven, Matchstick Men. Well, I really like this one. I yeah. like this one. It's a caper. It's his only caper. Ridley's only caper. Very, very good twist. I hope I haven't ruined the film for anyone by saying there's a twist. You have a twist, yeah. Um, but it's, it's a good, no. it's a sort of Sting-esque con men. Message in a bottle. Or, or a different Sting. Okay. Uh, Alison Lohman's very good in that. Yeah, mm. she is. A double act with Nick Cage and Sam Rockwell. Mm. Yeah. That's a good double act. And it's funny as well. It is fun. Mm. And also one of, the, uh, one of the best sort of mid-era cage performances, I would say, as well. He's really, really solid. He's got in Tourette's in it. And at points, he overcages. But, um, you can't yeah, overcage. You can't overcage. By definition. <laughs> you can never get too much cage. No. It's, it's impossible to overcage. And who can forget Fran Krantz from Cabin in the Woods as slacker boyfriend. Right. Number six. Gladiator. Are you not entertained? Evidently not. Six, that's lower than I thought that it was. That is lower than I thought mm. as well. That is a shame. That was my number three. I think I contributed to its downfall there. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. It was number nine, just ahead of Black Rain by one point. Um, I struggle to like this film. I would like to enjoy it as much as everyone else seems to. Um, I enjoy the bit with the tiger. It was a good rhino bit. I enjoy the animals, basically. There's no rhino There's no bit. There's no rhino, really. You're thinking of Black Panther. <laughs> Okay, well, there should be a rhino. It would be much higher on my list had there been a rhino. Um, it's fine, but, you know, Spartacus did it better. Oh, my God. I love it. I love the performance. I love the film. I love the music. I like the spectacle. I absolutely adore that film. Weirdly, the one thing I don't like is Joaquin Phoenix, who was nominated for his performance in that, and I think he's terrible. I'm, I'm terribly vexed. Uh, I'm terribly, terribly vexed. Terribly, Just terribly vexed. Dreadful. He sticks his tongue out a lot. Yeah, and, and I don't understand why he got fated for that, because... Shit. He should have been replaced by a rhino. That would have improved the film <laughs> immeasurably. By yeah. rhino from Gladiators. Yes. <laughs> was there a phoenix in Gladiators? There, there should was, have been. There, there was, was a jet. There was a wolf. Yeah, just one of the animals from uh, Gladiators. All right, hang on a second. I know we're doing a top ten countdown here, but I have to see whether there was a phoenix in Gladiators. Oh, God, I spell phoenix wrong. Phoenix Gladiators. Right. Uh, there was... There was a phoenix in Gladiators. So okay. there you go. Wow. Was there, was there a crow in Gladiators? No. It's possible we've become sidetracked. Number five. And this is the, the big shock. Because I think the top five is pretty much as you would expect, except for this. Kingdom of Heaven, pipping Gladiator by a single point. That is insanity. Mm. Mm, I don't know. It's, I don't think it's as good. But I do think the director's cut is an extraordinarily good film. So uh, Hands up. Hand up. Hand up. I haven't seen the director's cut. I think oh yeah, they are I, very different. I kind of get a bit tired of the whole director's cut thing with Ridley Scott. It's like, if you couldn't get it right first time, <laughs> mate, I, why should I bother? Right? <laughs> other directors have to work hard and get it right first time. You keep going, oh, like, why are you with that? I'm going to do it again. Would you say that to his face? In those words. <laughs> get it right the first time, mate. If, Don't waste my time. If I had a few inside me drinks, <laughs> then uh, I would. <laughs> but if I was being sober and professional... Of course I wouldn't, no. I think you need a helicopter of soldiers to come save you. I think yeah. you would. <laughs> Leave no doubt behind. No, no, no. It's, 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 you know, it's, 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 it's like Terry Gilliam once said to me, why should really get two bites of the apple when no one else does? Well, Clunk. I mean, <laughs> can open worms everywhere. I'm happy, that, I'm happy that's at number five. I... <laughs> We're just happy there's number five. I'm happy we got here. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here, Chris. <laughs> I'm just happy there's a five. Uh, number four, The Martian. Oh, yeah, good, good. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't have put it. I, I that would high. take Kingdom of Heaven over The Martian every day of the week, but sure. Is it his most crowd pleasing film? Yeah. It is. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just, uh, it's, it's quite unlike him in terms of its entertainment factor and 
as you said earlier, his films are quite somber and serious, and it's it's good just to watch him letting his letting his beard hair down. I and, think um, the the space pirate gag made me giggle. Yeah, uh, I I lightly enjoyed the film. I don't think it was it was masterful. <laughs> it comes from a very workman like books, so he did a very good job. Books in, awful. In, in, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was, actually was yeah. it was a great adaptation, but um, yeah, it's it's not it's not. He made f- potatoes out of shit. He could did. Say. Indeed, make potatoes. Oh, it does annoy me though that, that they they treat disco as bad music in that film. When everyone knows disco is the best music of all kinds of music. Disco that, is not dead. Disco is life. Yes, that is the biggest problem with the film, Dan. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interesting Martian fact: uh, it is his biggest hit by some distance, pipping Gladiator into second place uh, and Hannibal into third. Hannibal is his third biggest film. Uh, Alien, of course. If you adjust for inflation, I imagine this is going to be up there as well. Uh, Blade Runner, as we know, was a big old flopperoony. So they're bound to do a sequel to The Martian at some point where <laughs> either Matt Damon gets stuck on a different planet or the Venusian. Yeah, Sean Bean gets stuck on Mars. or Couldn't be stuck on, on Venus, Dan. He would die instantly. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, he wouldn't. He'd just go into the forest. Oh, no, Chris. <laughs> Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. Ah... <laughs> uh... Number three, Thelma and Louise. Yes. 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 Yep. Okay. Yes, number yes two. please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, totally. That is absolutely 100% Ridley Scott's third best film. Who's your favourite, Thelma or Louise? Um, Thelma. Thelma. Yeah. Okay. She's got, she's, I like her journey. She's got the biggest journey, I think. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Off the end of a cliff. Ultimately. No, I, I was talking uh, character arc. Yeah. Yeah. Her arc. Yeah. Falling off the edge of a cliff. <laughs> Gravity takes over. It does. It never does. Gravity never takes over. No, but it will. But how do you know? The moment because, is frozen. All right. Because I'm sure people have done this thing where they go the distance of the canyon. Is it the Grand Canyon or is it just a canyon? Anyway, the distance of the of the canyon, the the between cliff and cliff, and then the speed of the car. There's no way you could possibly do that. Maybe there's you, a giant bouncy castle at the bottom. She, <laughs> boring. <laughs> like a children's party. <laughs> this car suddenly flies out of nowhere. Disrespectful. Moving on to number two. Blade Runner. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is no arguing about this. Chris, you feel you, you fully understand the film at this point? Or do no, you I don't. To, Dan, Blade. could you dance-plain it to Chris? Well, we're, we're, we're assuming here that we are talking about either the director or the final cut, right? We're yeah, not talking not about the, the theatrical, theatrical version. This final is, cut. Yeah, yeah. So uh, three bites of the apple with this film. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, he got there in the end, didn't he? He did, um, just about. I've seen it a number of times to try and get the appreciation of it that, that you guys have as well. And I just don't... Blade's not even fucking in it. So... I don't understand. But even without following the story, the the, the soundtrack, <laughs> the soundtrack for this film is reason enough to love it. I think yeah. even if it wasn't it's a great film, I would just love listening oh, to yeah. it. Uh, I will say, if you are going to watch Blade Runner, I can heartily recommend the 4K Blu-ray, which was released. It's been remastered for 4K. The 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 scan is incredible. It looks amazing in 4K and it has an Atmos soundtrack, which is really, really good. Is that available in a good... This is not a plug. I'm just saying, if you are, it is one of the reference 4K Blu-rays. It's one of the best you can get. James will be selling those outside. (laughs) I'll be selling them out of a suitcase at the back of the office. (laughs) Car boot sale this Sunday. I'm just saying, for a film that old, you know, it holds up really well. So... But isn't the central problem with with Blade Runner is that Harrison Ford's performance is just a bit somnambulistic and just a little bit not at all. It's perfect. No, it would have been a scene where he sort of um, pretends to be the the the, uh, the nerdy journalist. Guy. Is it journalist? Yeah. Sorry, I've gone it's out of my inspector. Head. Isn't an inspector? He's pretending he, to be. He, inspector. Oh, yeah, that's it. The inspector. Yeah, the snake inspector. The snake inspector. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, which is almost as good as the scene. <laughs> When, when he pretends to be a Scottish tourist in uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. But, oh, that's yeah. such a good line. Yeah. He's terrible at disguises, isn't he? Mm. But um, no, it's a great performance. What are you talking about? All right, number one. And this is the first time. Uh, we've only been doing the ranking for, for a few issues now. But this is the first time this has happened. All four of us chose the same film at number one. Number one with the bullet. 40 points out of a possible 40. It is, of course, White Squall. Bit shocked, I'll be honest. I thought Alien might have crashed the top ten. No, it is, it's, it's Alien. It's Alien. Amazing. But it's still not as good as Aliens. True. Very true. Incontrovertible. <laughs> mm. So there's just... I'll, I'll just crap on that little... Uh, no, it's absolutely <laughs> true. Ridley Scott's best film is not as good as David Cameron's best film. That's what we've established. Yep. True it's lies. 
this didn't have to be tribalistic. <laughs> we didn't have to go down that path. We'll have a James Cameron ranking one day, and then you can discuss your love of Aliens then. Yes. As he made ten films. Right, so anything else to say about Alien being number one? Um, what more is there to say? It's good. Go and watch it again. Fantastic. It is good. Okay. Okay, okay. Are you the are you saying alien theatrical edition or alien with the tiny little extra bits? Theatrical. I agree. Excellent. Moving on. Same as aliens theatrical. Yes. Well aliens is a slightly different thing. Where aliens where there are a number of new sequences, all of which Oh you mean things like Dallas? Uh, when yeah, she finds yeah, Dallas, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but the the aliens ones, there's some good and some bad. So actually, you want a mixture of the two. I'm saying for aliens, half theatrical, half special edition, because you want the sentry guns. Don't forget to listen to the director's cut of this podcast, which will be probably 95 <laughs> hours long, and just me breaking James. down aliens yeah. scene by scene. <laughs> yeah. All the Ridley Scott impressions that were cut out, the, the, the cut that you listened to first time around. Uh, because that is it for this episode of the ranking. I'd like to thank my fellow rankers. James Dyer. Thanks. Dan Jolin. Uh, are you still not entertained? <laughs> I, think they've, I think they've stopped listening, Dan, to be honest. Okay. Uh, and Nick Dissemblin. Goodbye. This will all be lost like tears in the black rain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I might go back and rewatch Black Rain now. You've, you've really sold me. Should we do a Black Rain Hannibal double bill, anyone? Let's not get caught, Chris. Let's keep going. Don't forget, of course, the regular Empire podcast is every Friday. We do have specials as well, so do keep an eye on their on Twitter feed and on, of course, your podcast app as well for Lowe's. Uh, in the meantime, I've been Chris Hewitt. This has been the ranking Ridley Scott edition. Thanks very much for listening. Ridley, get out. Bloody hell. See you next time. Bye. Oh, Ridley, back in the corner. <laughs>